I'm the Rick. And so were the rest of you before you formed this stupid alliance. You wanted to be safe from the government, so you became a stupid government. That makes every Rick here less Rick than me. Yeah, murmur it up, D-Bags. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got pancakes back home with syrup on top of them. They're about to hit that critical point of syrup absorption that turns the cakes into a gross paste. And I hate to get all Andy Rooney about it, but I think we all like fluffy discs of cake with syrup on top. And I think we also like to be accused of crimes when there's evidence. So as they say in Canada, peace out. What the hell do either of you two have to be so uncertain about? Your brand of zit cream? Which chair to sit in while I do everything? Come on, spit it out. Well, well you, you don't exactly make it easy, Rick. You make fun of me all the time, and now, now you got someone to kiss your ass. Me? What about yeah, just you? Me? Could you, you get me because you're jealous? To see me fail? Because you, you got to all to yourself. All right, all right, cool it. I see what's happening here. You're both young. You're both unsure about your place in the universe. And you both want to be Grandpa's favorite. I can fix this. Morty, sit here. Summer, you sit here. Now listen. I know the two of you are very different from each other in a lot of ways, but you have to understand that as far as Grandpa's concerned, you're both pieces of shit. Yeah, I can prove it mathematically. Actually, let me grab my whiteboard. This has been a long time coming anyway. So in conclusion, you're both equally mercurial, overly sensitive, clingy, hysterical, bird brain homunculi. And I honestly can't even tell the two of you apart half the time because I don't go by height or age. I go by amount of pain in my ass, which makes you both identical. Back to the journalistic revolution. I am your ever frustrated host, Robert Wasman, and I am Jeffrey Han. And uh, it's been a while. Yeah, since, uh, it's been it's been a while. Yeah, it, it's been it's been a hot minute. Hot minute, several uh, months, in fact. But it's been quite busy over on our side of the world. Yeah, and uh, things are moving, things are going. But uh, we both had um, recently our own kind of like uh, pet theories we've been researching. Um, yeah. Uh, that uh, you know that has kind of taken up our um, our creative uh, time. Time, you know, uh, some. And then we had you know we have JRev Media um, going full tilt, um, developing the new website for that uh, family life. You know, our actual work. You know, because we got to get paid somehow. Uh, yeah, there's just just been a whole lot, and uh, so we haven't had time. But we've been researching um, different theories. Uh, one, for me at least, has been the electric universe theory, which uh, spawned off from uh, finding out that the sun controls our temps and not CO2, not man-made climate change. But uh, so, but from that group, I found the electric universe theory, and I've been full tilt into that since then. Um, and you've been... Biocentrism. Biocentrism. Uh, you know, I, uh, the, the new scientific theory founded by Dr. Robert Lanza, who thinks that the the new um, uh, way to look at the universe is through uh, a biology lens, if you will, and looking at it that life creates the universe, life creates matter, not the other way around. Uh, consciousness creates matter and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, really interesting stuff. But, um, you know, it's... And, and, and we've had these two theories, and we've been talking about them, like, you know, in the backyard, chilling, you know, smoking... You know, uh, and kind of like bouncing ideas off of just each trying other. to figure things out. What makes sense logically? How would stuff work? There's a lot of there's a lot of disinformation out there, a lot, and it's it's hard to try to figure out how to pick through it. And not just that, there's a lot of information out there that may be true that I just simply don't fucking understand sometimes. Yeah, or I mean, <laughs> or that even like mainstream science is saying this is fact, this is real, this is blah 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 blah, but. When you start looking at observational evidence, 
that stuff kind of looks fake, not real anymore. That there's no actual proof that these things exist. Well, and well we're gonna it get raises into the question: It's all like, why is this the prevalent? Why is this the most prevalent theory when you have no observational data to which to back it up? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, and there's a lot of things like and, that. And we've gotten away from observational science. We've, yeah, we've gone more computer uh, simulations and things like that. Theoretical and, science, and, you know, made and, up fictitious things. You but know, the problem with models up, is they yeah. only work with the data that you present to them if you tell them you know that there's a certain way that it works then it's going to try it that way and you're mm-hmm. going to only come up with theories that make it work because yeah. you're patching a broken system yeah instead of trying to figure out the actual truth like if something observationally doesn't work and you can't replicate it in a lab then maybe it's not true it should be assumed not true i mean honestly unless I mean, you can prove it yeah you know what i mean i thought that's what science was you right. know uh it, Hypothesis, experiment, and, yeah, uh, and, results, repeat. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, and that's why I think the electric universe theory it, within the next few decades is going to completely revolutionize the the entire mainstream media. Like everything you think you believe about how our solar system and the cosmos work is not true. I mean, granted, if this electric universe theory is correct, but <laughs> there's a lot of observational evidence that says that this is true. That's our theory of everything. Yeah. That everything's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, and we're going to get into how much of From the micro to the macro. Yep. <laughs> oh, I... <laughs> but, uh, so, alright, so give us a, a breakdown real quick of what uh, uh, the Electric Universe Theory yeah. so is. So, the, the EU, the Electric Universe Theory, it's the idea that our entire way of life, our entire objective reality is created up through plasma um, generated through electromagnetic waves or electrostatic. Uh, This goes from the quantum subatomic particle level all the way up to the cosmo level, and it all works. And it all succinctly um, connects and transfers energy from one point to another all the way from to the top back down. And mainstream science can't do that. There is no link right now between the quantum world and our theory of gravity and how gravity is the constant throughout the universe. Yeah. So, so that is the idea is that it's completely taking the idea that gravity is a constant and what is holding this universe together and makes it a, an electrical. And there's a lot of observational evidence of uh, throughout the solar system, throughout wait, the universe. Wait a second, Jeff. Are you telling me a non-static universe behaves in a non-static way? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking, right? Uh, it's insane. <laughs> My God. But, okay, and so just real quick, uh, biocentrism uh, is, you know, like I told you before, is this idea that life creates the universe rather than the other way around, but basically it builds upon the ideas of quantum physics. While physics is considered to the essential to the study of the universe, which you just said mm-hmm. may be incorrect, uh, and chemistry is considered essential to the study of life, biocentrism puts biology before all other sciences to try to develop its theory of everything or its theory of the universe. And, and we're going to get into that there is a link between the electric universe theory and biocentrism on how they all interact and how it can work and that it fits within inside the EU model. Yeah, and it, it very interesting stuff. So we do have uh, some, some clips. Yeah, so this will be a little bit different. Yeah, a little bit different than normal. We're gonna play some clips um, because there's definitely high level science behind some of this stuff that we're not scientists, but we we can tell truth and using logic and the grammar that we do know. Well, because um, they go, hey, it. look at it. And then we go, okay, and And then we look at it, and we're like, that's observable. (laughs) Or they they go, and here we can repeat these 
uh, patterns of um, galaxies for, uh, forming in a lab using just a few volts of electricity and plasma. Yeah, and, you know, there's, like, infinite energy out there doing shit. So. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very interesting. But so let's go ahead and start this first clip, and this is going to be... The, it's, uh, a, it's the top ten reasons the universe is electric, um, and it's by the Thunderbolts Project. They're the main group behind this electric universe push and they've been do they've been on youtube now for like since like 2012 so we have about five years worth of videos of excellent excellent stuff when they use a lot of they have a lot of scientific research behind it and granted there's still people challenging it but they have the observational evidence backing up a lot of their stuff yeah so it's not just kook science yeah correct so we're gonna go ahead and, and start playing this 10 points of evidence which most clearly point to an electric universe. Cosmic magnetic fields. It's a fact known to every high school physics student. Electric currents produce magnetic fields. But this law of physics is almost nowhere evident in the standard astrophysical literature. In fact, with ever finer technological data, the influence of pervasive, powerful magnetic fields at all scales throughout the cosmos has been one of the great surprises of the space age. Although astronomers have had no choice but to acknowledge the existence of magnetic fields in space, it's important to keep an historical context and remember the predictions of the standard gravity-centric cosmology. Consider the following. All right, pause it there for a second. So what they're what they're saying uh, off that uh, standard is they're saying that. Gravity-centric models have given us certain predictions in which we should expect if it is true. Yeah, so like, they, well, one, the, the gravity model starts with the Big Bang from gravity held it in. Um, gravity model, ha uh, they, came, they theorized black holes because they used the gravity model. They theorized, you know, um, neutron stars because of the gravity model. They theorize a lot of things without actually finding e real evidence of this stuff. Yeah. So, but they, the idea is that, you know, gravity starts to pull all these gases together until some type of nuclear fusion happens and a star starts up. And that's what then starts all the solar systems and gravity pulls all these things together. Okay. And, but and, so, but, like, what there's, but, uh, so. We, and that's the standard model. So, right with, now. yeah, with the standard model, we should see these certain events take place. Correct. In their predictions, if it is correct. Yeah. Or, or they see new things that they can't explain. So they've come up with. Uh, new things that like dark matter or, or antimatter or you know neutron stars to be able to um, f basically figure out their equation and why it's not working out. So they make something new up like you know strange matter for like wormholes and stuff. Yeah, they 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 just come up with well it has to be this special material that we don't know or can't detect. They're going with the Star Trek model. We'll just make this shit up and then it'll be true later. Yeah, with, without <laughs> coming back to the idea, well, maybe gravity isn't the main main constant. Maybe okay. gravity isn't the model. So but we should go into this. We should go into this thinking that uh, according to physics and astrophysics and cosmology and the gravi gravity-centric model, we should see certain things take place. If not, another theory must be made. Correct. Okay. But, again, a lot of people, they don't, so they come up with new and interesting things yep. to try to, you know, talk about it. So let's continue. Science. The early Science. online NASA feature, Dr. Magneto's Questions <laughs> and Answers, archived in the official the NASA website. On the question, do magnetic fields exist throughout space, the answer reads as follows. On the cosmological scale, there is no data to suggest that magnetic fields are present. 
they certainly are not important. In the dynamics of the universe, for any reasonable range of field strengths consistent with present observational constraints. But fast forward to 2011, and the undeniable conundrum is acknowledged in a Universe Today article. It states, The mention of cosmic scale magnetic fields is still likely to be met with an uncomfortable silence in some astronomical circles. And after a bit of foot shuffling and throat clearing, the discussion will be moved on to safer topics. But look, they're out there. They probably do play a role in galaxy evolution, if not galaxy formation, and are certainly a feature of the interstellar medium and the intergalactic medium. So, okay, so according to the gravity model, they said that electromagnetic fields wouldn't play any significant role in the formation of the universe. Correct, and that they wouldn't really find that many out there. Um, so, but, but that's based on the gravity model, and that was from NASA, that first quote. Yeah. Um, the second quote is from universetoday.com. Okay. Uh, but that, this new one was from a scientific report that came out in 2011. Where they mapped out the that uh, there's actually magnetic fields throughout the galaxy. And, and that they actually do play a part in galaxy formation. So what, NASA, wrong on that, yeah. that regard. So, okay, so gravity zero, electric one, moving forward. But what causes these magnetic fields, which astronomers and astrophysicists had long believed to be, quote, not important? To answer this question, let us consider some of the scientific discoveries which clearly affirm the electrical interpretation of cosmic-scale magnetic fields. A great shock for scientists came in 2008 with the detection of an astonishingly powerful magnetic field in a so-called young galaxy. A phys.org report on the discovery reads... Astronomers have made the first direct measurement of the magnetic field in a young, distant galaxy, and the result is a big surprise. Looking at a faraway proto-galaxy seen as it was 6.5 billion years ago, the scientists measured a magnetic field at least 10 times stronger than that of our own Milky Way. They had expected just the opposite. And of course, ever finer data across the entire electromagnetic spectrum only deepens the so-called mysteries. In 2014. So, uh, I want to make sure I understand this correctly. So, according to the, the gravity-centered model, that a young proto-galaxy should be showing weak electromagnetic fields because... Because it doesn't have the mass, it doesn't have the internal rotation. Because remember, they think, like, on Earth or, like, in the sun, that there's some type of molten core made of some type of metal. Or a black hole in the center of or, it. Or is somewhere, but that this, like in the sun or the earth, that it's spinning very fast, creating these magnetic fields based on its movement. Okay, so... <coughs> sorry. When, uh, when they found these electromagnetic fields to be stronger, this galaxy, galaxy doesn't have the mass to make up for it, so then what we're seeing is more evidence to... That there's something electric taking place. Well, this that there, there's at least evidence uh, supporting that gravity could not have done this. Yeah, that, that there has to be something else, or that they have to come up with some type of new theory that works in their gravity model. So I'll go ahead and continue. Yep. A comprehensive study was published on the so-called supermassive black holes that are believed to exist at the centers of galaxies. Scientists made the unexpected discovery that powerful magnetic fields play a significant role in the dynamics of the systems. A phys.org report on the study states, The magnetic field strength was confirmed by evidence from jets of gas that shoot away from supermassive black holes. 
Formed by magnetic fields, these jets produce a radio emission. The new results mean theorists must re-evaluate their understanding of black hole behavior. So what we're what it's saying right there is that at the center of the uni- of the galaxy that there's supposed to be this supermassive black hole, but really they can't detect black holes. They can only detect this the absence of space and that things are happening um, outside of it. So they've detected actual um, uh, radio emissions that eject from these areas and that there's magnetic uh, fields that wrap around the radio waves. So they've detected that stuff. uh, And so that now, because of these magnetic fields, they now have to go back and try to fit it in their black hole gravity model. Okay. A contributor to the research stated... The magnetic fields are strong enough to dramatically alter how gas falls into black holes and how gas produces outflows that we do observe, much stronger than what has usually been assumed. We need to go back and look at our models once again. However, as we will explain as we continue with this list, the standard assumptions about the sources of cosmic jets are also severely challenged by science discovery. The real problem astronomers and astrophysicists face is succinctly summarized in a Scholarpedia page on the origins of galactic magnetic fields. It states, The origin of the first magnetic fields in the universe is still a mystery. It calls for a mechanism to sustain and organize the magnetic field. At a smaller scale in our own celestial neighborhood, scientists call on mysterious internal dynamos to explain the magnetic fields of planets and the sun. Dynamos are also now proposed inside of galaxies to explain the galactic magnetic fields. But plasma cosmologists have shown theoretically and experimentally that the magnetic fields in galaxies are due to electric currents flowing into the centers along the spiral arms of the galaxies. It's proposed that when the current reaches the center of the galaxy, it's twisted into an object called a plasmoid where all of the electromagnetic energy is stored until the plasmoid becomes unstable and ejects matter and jets along the galaxy axis, as observed in deep space. Many of these concepts... So what that's saying is that from a faraway distance, we can watch these galaxies start to form as plasma would in a lab with a specific electrical charge. So these formations, galaxy formations, can be repeated in a lab and tested yeah. based on just electricity coming through. So, I mean, you would now have observational evidence in a way and a theory that would say this is exactly what would happen if you had this type of charge that created this type of plasma. And now you have, you know, a galaxy forming. Yep were published in understandable terms in the book the big bang never happened in plasma so that that was a new one for me jumping down this rabbit hole was that that they don't believe the big bang happened um among other things like not believing in black holes or neutron stars or dark matter antimatter even mainstream science is starting to not believe in the big bang either you had the new model that just recently came out that they they theorize that a white hole is at the center of our universe, which is pumping out matter at all times. And you know, yeah, it, yeah, and it's just because they're still using the gravity model. Yeah. Now, I have yet to see where the EU theorists and the scientists, what they believe, what started, where it started. And maybe they haven't even dove onto that topic because they're trying to fix the path to even get to that topic correctly. Which I think biocentrism comes in to take a play. But yeah, let's, we'll, uh, we'll, And we'll get into that, we'll get so into let's that. continue. 
physics. The plasmoid is the most concentrated form of electromagnetic energy known. As proven experimentally, a plasmoid can store the energy of a room full of capacitors in its tiny donut-shaped form only a few millimeters across. To contain that energy, that plasmoid has an intense magnetic field self-generated by electric currents twisting themselves together. In our own solar system, the electric universe predicts and explains many of the ongoing surprises for scientists investigating planetary magnetic fields. In the last so year, scientists reporting the findings of... Yep. I do want to point out that uh, if you haven't been paying attention to uh, science uh, in the last like 20 years, you may not know that we've been running into all sorts of fucked up reasons that the, um, the, the current theory of physics and, and cosmology isn't working. <laughs> We're finding planets more often than we thought we should. We're finding uh, uh, stars doing ridiculous things we didn't think they could. We found planets that should be... Uh, one way, but they're another. Yeah, and, and but that's the problem is that because they're using the gravity model, they're using bad grammar, and then they try to apply logic to it. Well, if you have bad grammar, your logic is going to be off. Well, their logic is off, so they come up with you know neutron stars that are spinning at you know fifty six hundred RPMs, and but at no point do we ever actually observe a star actually doing that. Yeah, and, and but well, the EU model and the EU model has an explanation for why those happens because we see radio beacons and flashes, and they they view that it's the lighthouse effect, but really it's just like a strobe light, and it's probably two binary stars with a plasma bridge, and it's just firing off constantly like yeah. a strobe light. But, but I mean, it, yeah. to put it in more simpler terms for them to understand, if if you're thinking of it in grammar, logic, and rhetoric terms, right? Uh, what you're seeing is these people are making up new words. They're no longer working with the words that we know that are objective reality. Or, yeah, they, with that they, we've they, actually proven exists. So, like, they, they, they were like, hey, these are the objective words to cosmology, right? And, they, and then be, these words and that logic, the logic doesn't work. And they tinker with the logic. It still doesn't work. So what do they do? They come in and they go, all right, so matter uh, only has three forms except for antimatter. Oh, and then they go, well, okay, so now it has four forms. Well, except for the you know the yeah. uh, strange matter, and, and, then we and, then, and then we also have the issue is that a lot of people, even in you know just the public in general, love to appeal to authority. I mean, you have Einstein, um, uh, Stephen Hawking's. You have now if EU theory is correct, Stephen Hawking's entire pretty much career on black holes was pointless and fictitious. Yeah, and it was just basically a story that someone created, and it's not true. That's huge. How many yeah. people use him? And then even Einstein says that even his calculations didn't pass the test for him because he couldn't prove it. But he wasn't a mathematician. Yeah. He, but, you know, it's so he was right on some regards, but not a lot. Uh, anyways, yeah. so jump more into this. Scientists reporting the findings of two major NASA missions to the gas giants Jupiter and Saturn, respectively, have shattered all assumptions about the powerful magnetic fields and those planets' highly electrified environments. The predictions of the theory that an internal dynamo deep inside of Jupiter produces the planet's magnetic field have been falsified by NASA's Juno mission. Instead, the magnetic field is both much more powerful and, quote, irregular than scientists had ever imagined. If such an invisible dynamo does exist, then, as Juno scientists admit, it would have to be much closer to the planet's surface than theory can explain. As Juno principal investigator Scott Bolton stated, I didn't expect all the theories to be wrong, but there's motion going on in the do. planet we did not anticipate. 
Saturn's magnetic field has proved equally perplexing to scientists on the Cassini mission. A major shock was the discovery that the planet's magnetic field appears to have no discernible tilt. As reported by Imperial College London, based on data collected by Cassini's magnetometer instrument, Saturn's magnetic field appears to be surprisingly well aligned with the planet's rotation axis. Previously, mission scientists thought that 0.06 degrees would be the lower limit of tilt that could generate the observed magnetic field. However, the results show the tilt may be much less than this. Scientists currently think that planetary magnetic fields require some degree of tilt in order to sustain currents flowing through the liquid metal deep inside the planets. With no tilt, the currents would eventually subside and the field would disappear. So what they're saying is that based on the gravity model and that there would have to be an internal dynamo, some internal rotation causing these magnetic fields, if you didn't have a tilt and a wobble, then it would eventually die out and you wouldn't have anything. And they, they determine using math that the tilt should be at 0 0.06 degrees, which they found it was a lot less, yet still had a strong magnetic field. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and incredibly stronger than they. So thought, too. A, a, again, now you have evidence that does not fit with the gravity model. Mm -hmm. it, it just it doesn't fit. So they have to f try to figure out some reason or why, like maybe changing the type of, you know, core or something. But yep. the leader of Cassini's magnetometer, Professor Michelle Doherty, said of the discovery, "The tilt seems to be much smaller than we had previously estimated, and quite challenging to explain." So if, like Jupiter, Saturn's magnetic field is not generated by an internal dynamo, what causes and maintains the magnetic fields? In the electric universe, both gas giants are electrically charged bodies that are part of the larger electrical circuits connecting them to the sun. In fact, in 2016, scientists reported their first observation of so-called magnetic ropes traversing the vast distance between the Sun and Saturn and connecting the two bodies. The lead author of a paper in the Geophysical Research Letters says of the finding, Contrary to previous ideas about Saturn's magnetosphere being unlike its terrestrial counterpart, these findings reveal that Saturn at times behaves and interacts with the Sun in much the same way as Earth. But how can the fluid dynamics that NASA envisions explain, quote, rope-like structures that twist and change dynamically and extend the nearly 900 million miles from the Sun to Saturn? The phrase magnetic ropes is used to describe twisted filamentary pathways traversed by charged particles. But to electrical engineers, such terminology reveals the inappropriateness of concepts that came to dominate astronomy and astrophysics in the 20th century. As Professor Donald Scott, author of The Electric Sky, states, Ropes, of course, have beginnings and ends. Magnetic fields do not. This use of language for NASA fails to explain anything, and is conceptually wrong as well as misleading. The, quote, ropes to which the investigators refer are commonly described in plasma science as electrical Birkeland currents. The rope-like structure is not merely a curiosity. It's the structure taken by current flow due to the long-range attraction and short-range repulsion between current filaments. The, quote, twisted magnetic fields are simply the signature of the electric current flow. In plasma cosmology, these entwined plasma filaments act as transmission lines carrying, quote, field-aligned currents across interplanetary and interstellar space. 
In recent years, Professor Donald Scott has published his own mathematical modeling of the structure of a Brooklyn current, which can be visually identified as counter-rotating cylinders. Critically, this counter-rotation is clearly seen at the north poles of both Saturn and Jupiter. In our next episode... I want to describe what that looked like real quick uh, for the listeners, right? So his model is basically... Uh, a center uh, flow going down, uh, a flow going down the center, and then another one spiraling up a, over it, right? Uh, which would cause a counterclockwise rotation: one spiraling down the way or down the middle, and then one spiraling back up in the other direction. And you see that looking at the north poles of both Saturn and Jupiter, where the center area of the pole is rotating in one direction, while the rest in of the each, each middle roll or cylinder, and he basically viewed it as free-form cylinders. So if you just put several cylinders all in of you know varying size all in together, and then you just had them spin all in different directions. Yeah. And that's what's you know creating or at least the flow of this magnetic rope. Yeah. Or a magnetic line. Well not the, the the rope. The he was talking uh, the, the the mechanism which was creating that rope in the planet was uh, two cylinders, one rotating in one direction, one around it rotating in well, the no, other. Well, no, that was just the proof that that's those magnetic cylinders and the thing actually exist there. Yeah. And that's the, so it is rotating, and it's what's connecting all the way back you know, to the sun and to other planets. Yeah. Um, but that, that's why you can see the clouds, because it's, the magnetic is actually pulling all the clouds and things like that. Um, okay. So, but so that that's the that finished our first video. All right. Um, but so, so that that's the electric universe at a high level of what they talk about and their kind of general theories. And a good and a, and a good portion of evidence that kind of uh, you know gives uh, definitely an observational credence to I, their theory. I, I think they have enough observational evidence and enough proof that. The gravity model just doesn't doesn't meet the smell test. I mean, it doesn't meet the lit. It's not. A, it's a, it's a poor litmus test. It hasn't. It failed it. it it's not. It's, it's not, not meeting up to what it, it, they say. If it's supposed to be constant, why why is it? Doing? So like science has forgotten that we don't uh, we don't really know shit. Is basically what 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 happened, right? You know? Yeah, I, mean, I think I think we are still willful, willfully ignorant of well, like, of the reality it? of of what's really out there objectively. Well, I mean, the two thousand years ago, it took a thousand years before we everything that we thought we knew was wrong, and then like a thousand years ago, it took like what five hundred years before. Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about then it, like two fifty, five seventy five. What was that? Five five thousand to eight thousand years ago, we had uh, civilizations all around the world who viewed planets as gods. And there, we'll get into it a little bit uh, yeah, we'll later. Get into that. Uh, yeah, you know, but that that type of experience, where how vastly different things can change based on even um, you know cosmic events yeah. that we can't see anymore, but might have happened that vastly changed the way humanity progressed. Yeah, so, absolutely. So uh, I well, I have a video here real quick that I want to go okay. that uh, kind of uh, it's of uh, Robert, Doctor Robert Lanza. Um, and it, it's him saying what's missing from this theory of everything, right? Um, and so I just wanted to run by that real quick, and then uh, and then we're going to get more into the electric universe theory. So this is uh, Dr. Robert Lanza. What are space and time? So 
what, what is so fundamental here, and to make this very black and white, right now science says that space and time are these whole hot, cold external objects. They're just this, this invisible matrix out there with no properties whatsoever, and it just self-exists. And of course, first of all, how can these things that you can't feel, t- touch, or, or whatever uh, just be out there? So that, that's cr- a little crazy on... on I want to stop that right there real quick. He has the same problem that the Electric Universe has with the current model, which is how are we supposed to believe in these things in which we can have no observational evidence of? Right. (laughs) All right, continuing. So think about it. If you wave your hand through the air and you take everything away, what's left? Of course, the answer is nothing. And the same thing applies for time. You can't put it in a bottle like milk. Space and time are tools of our understanding. So again, the light coming off here bouncing on me Right now, as you look at that, that's happening in your head. You're creating that space. That's not moving through something else. That's a construct. It's just like when you dream. When you dream, your eyes can be closed, but you can be on the beach with the bright sun, and, and it can be just as indistinguishable as here and now. So, again, your mind has the... So he says that the current model of uh, the uh, universe uses space-time as this thing, right? As like this mesh that exists out there, self-existing. Yeah. Um, And he says that's false. He says time and space is a construct of the mind in which how we experience reality. Correct. Yeah. And and actually the the EU theory um, dives a little bit into it as well. And they uh, they say that there's actually a universal time that at some point on the other side of the universe, something happens and there's no way you can travel forward or backwards because since gravity is a poor um, force and... It, it, since it's not true, then therefore that that time is more constant. Yeah. That you can actually travel faster than the speed of light because um, free flowing electrons actually are traveling faster than the speed of light, way faster than the speed of light. And they even have come up with proof that lights can slow down over time. Yeah. So it, it's no longer this constant variable that science has said. Oh, light is this speed. Well. Sometimes, yeah, like you know, in a perfect environment, but well, yeah. it's like well, with uh, time, according to biocentrism, which I'm sure he's going to get into, or at least in my theory, is intricately linked to consciousness. You know, because we our, our brains can speed it up, slow it down. It can do a lot of things to. Oh it, yeah, you know. So, but here, let's continue listening, uh, Dr. Robert Lanza. The capacity to put this together, and that is what's going on. And and I think we. We, we trip up because it, it, it's not just black and white. You know, it's easy to say everything is just out there. The problem is, is it's when you start thinking about it, think about it. If you think of all of eternity, all of time, if there was a time that went on forever, and you put every day and hour and stack them on top of one another like chairs, and put yourself on the top of it, what is the probability that you would right now be sitting on top of all infinity, the good luck just talking to me? The probability of being on top of infinity is zero. That's just crazy. Just a one in a gazillion chance that you just happen to be here, good luck, right now, alive in the present. It's, it's just silly. The concepts of space and time as these external matrices, it's just crazy. Emmanuel Kant figured that out 200 years ago, even without all these new sophisticated experiments. Uh, the other thing to, to consider is, is the universe itself. I mean, it has all these parameters as though it were fine-tuned exactly like life. Some are calling it the Goldilocks universe because it's not to this or to that. So, for instance, if the Big Bang had exploded right, so we- one minute... 
pause it there. He does mention the Big Bang, but obviously, you know, the EU is uh, they're, they're is, saying is that new. It, it didn't happen yeah. because it, we can't use the gravity model, right? Um, now, obviously, the reason that he came up with his theory in biocentrism is all because he says that there's shortcomings of the uh, current model. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but that's... And I think we're going to see more of, like, a mixture of the EU and probably biocentrism. Um, and we'll get into how, how they're linked. Yep. Um, millionth more powerful, everything would have rushed out too fast for there to be stars or galaxies. And then there would, of course, be no us. Or if the gravitational constant or the gravitational force was a hair less, the stars wouldn't ignite. There'd be no sun. We wouldn't be here. Same. Replace that with electromagnetic fields and then you're good. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but even if, if those, if there's like a short or something like that somewhere and the power gets disconnected and how, I mean, we would wink out quickly yeah. and it would get real cold real fast and it would suck. <laughs> Same thing for the strong nuclear force, just 2% different, and all you would have is, is, is plain vanilla hydrogen. There wouldn't be any carbon or anything for us to be. And it goes on and on, hundreds of parameters like this. They could have any characteristic or any number at all, randomly, but they don't. They have exactly, every single one, exactly what it would be for life to exist. That, to, to say that that's just a huge accident and we're just lucky, you know, it, it's just totally, completely absurd. The reason is, is, is the obvious reason. If life creates the universe, obviously it can be no other way. The, uni- the, the, uh, the universe is simply the spatial temporal logic of the animal observer. And so, but then that creates other contradictions to, that, to, to things that people thinking in the old paradigm. So, for instance, time. Uh, you know, we think of it's like this arrow. You know, it just ticks along and that's it and you can't change it. But we've been doing new experiments that show that that isn't the case. Two years ago, just a couple years ago, in the very prestigious journal Science, there was an experiment that scientists carried out where they sent particles, little photons, particles of light, into this apparatus. And when it went through a, to a fork, it had to decide what it was going to do, whether it was going to be a wave or a particle. And then later on, after it passed that fork, there was another fork. And the experimenter could then decide what to do, whether to flip an electronic switch on or off. And when he flipped that switch then, now in the present, he actually changed what that particle did in the past. So how can what that experiment to do right now in the present actually change something that happened in the past? And there are other experiments, you know, where so, you can so show actually... So that observing this reaction, this process changed it just by observing it? Just by observing it. By simply observing... Uh, a decision in the present, he could actually change a decision in the past. So it, uh, the apparatus would basically um, uh, uh, set it up to where it, the particle process uh, through the fork would either be observed or not observed, right? And it was kind kind of random, but the guy could decide to switch it on, right? And so when, when it went through the first fork, it was either a wave or a particle, right? Let's just say, assume it was a wave. Right, but if it went through the second fork and was observed, and it was a particle, then it went through the first fork as a particle as well. Yeah, that, that's that's weird. It's like <laughs> it, it knew the future based on the decision that what was going to happen to it. Yeah. So like, and so they're saying that time, you know, is only something that we're experiencing because, because we observe cre- it. We're we're creating it. We're observing right. each individual moment, one in succession after the other. Mm-hmm. But anyway reverse, that if, if you have these entangled particles, that if one hits a, 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 a detector, it has to do something, but actually it can actually 
will know in advance what you do in the future, whether you put a scrambler in its partner that's been, had the path stretched out. So again, the, 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 the thing is, is we live in that same world. And that's not the world currently described in the existing paradigm. Space and time as these hard objects just doesn't match up with the facts or the experiments. Now, scientists try to get out of it, and they say, oh, there's this two worlds. There's the small micro world where the weird phenomena, you know, quantum uh, mechanics occurs, and another whole set of rules for us in the bigger universe. Well, first of all, that's... I want to pause there because... What the uh, electric universe theory does is it's actually scalable. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely scalable from they, they have math and they can easily calculate, again, from the subatomic particle level, you know, protons, neutrons, electrons, and how they all are away from each other and move around based on static electricity or um, just electricity. Yeah, plasma Magnetism, yeah. Uh, And then, again, transferring all of that energy up to our level where we do see gravity and things like that, which we're actually going to get into on what gravity really is, at least based on the electric universe model. Awesome. That's crazy. It has no basis of reason. But more importantly, it's being challenged uh, in the laboratory. So, for instance, just last year uh, in Nature, another very prestigious journal, they did an experiment with entangled particles, these giant molecules, uh, where they actually showed that when they separated them, they acted as if there was no space or time between them. There are uh, molecules called buckyballs, these huge carbon-60 molecules that they actually show, that they're clearly in the macroscopic world, show that they follow the same quantum uh, principles. So for right there real quick, so they, they basically they were able to use molecules that are considered in the microscopic world, which is the same world that apparently physics works on us, right? Yeah. And yet they, they experience quantum entanglement. Yeah, and well, it's, what I find interesting is that the quantum entanglement, if you, they're entangled through magnetic fields and they stay linked, then if magnetic transfer, um, like we see out in the galaxy or cosmic using you know EU models, it, it's almost instantaneous transmission. So there is the link on how, how to get from one spot to another and why when they change an atom, and they've done this with experiments where they've entangled two atoms, and when they do one-to-one, it happens to the other, even if they're um, um, uh, separated over vast di- differences. You know, f- way faster than the speed of light can reach and yep. do. And But, however, the EU model works even for those type of connections and says, yes, transmission and information can be transmitted from these two particles over any length of distance. Whoa, wouldn't it be weird if information turns out to be the building block of all reality? Anyway, <laughs> there, there's that. That's when you get into the simulation model. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But all right. And even uh, a few years back, there were these crystals that they actually showed had entanglement ridges that were half an inch. So where is this division where the laws of physics are one way here and then they change here? Well, we know they're not between here and there. So are they between here and there? The laws of physics change. This, it's crazy. What we need to do is, is, is readjust our, our way of thinking, which is what science is supposed to do. It's supposed to look so at the experiments. So what they, what they call that and what they're looking for is the, the queen of science, the queen of cosmology, the, the, the theory of everything. The, the theory of everything. They need something that will fit with everything. And right now it's looking like one of the, like the EU model and or something very similar to that with maybe a few changes. Yeah, uh, I, that's what I'm thinking. Same, same with biocentrism. Where you're seeing science is starting to fail us, and that's for a, a myriad of reasons. 
Uh, and but you're starting to see real scientists go. Well, hold on a second. Let's that, get back to that, obs- uh, observational that evidence and science. Shit doesn't work. I tried it twelve times in the laboratory. I've never well, seen look it happen. At my computer model. Well, if I tell my computer model to work, it will. Yeah, and they, they say <laughs> mathematics does not equal physics. It's like you can try to come up with it mathematically, but if you can't prove it, if you can't do something with it or replicate it or something else, you can't have anything else but words on paper. Then, I mean, what do you have? You know. Yeah, it's like trying to write code on paper. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it doesn't do anything. It, do, it doesn't do shit. Yeah. Under the rugs, and it's supposed to make internal consistency, logic of them, so that one theory doesn't contradict the other, like quantum theory contradicts relativity theory. And, and, and again, that contradiction, there is absolutely no reason for it. It's obvious why space and time are relative to the observer. We carry them around very much like turtles carry their shells around. And it's obvious what's going on in the micro world about the, the, the particles. We have way, uh, basically what they call waves of probability, which uh, we know from previous experiments on Material, they're just statistical predictions of where a particle would be. And so until the mind lays that scaffolding down, you obviously, it can't be either here nor there. Which, again, uh, all of this comes together, and that is what biocentrism tries to do. So, yeah, and that's, so that's biocentrism in a nutshell. It's basically saying that the reality that we experience is mostly put together by the conscious observer. Yeah, and, and remember that the, the brain's basically like your giant filter. You actually don't see anything or really experience it. It's just your brain or your conscious interpreting the signals that come from different appendages, like your eyes. You basically see two 2D images that overlay, which gives you the effect of 3D, and... It's a whole bunch of them. It's like you know, I don't, I forget what the frame rate of your eyes like sixty something. Uh, I don't. It's, I'm not sure. It's it's something up there. So you're talking sixty pictures a second with you know two eyes. So you're 120 pictures over top of each other, just going by real quick. Which is why sometimes you get those trailing effects. You know, late at night and the light goes by and you see just the the trail of the light. That's because your eye and your brain is still seeing that flash still experiencing all of those pictures lined up together. So Yeah, no, and what's funny is, uh, is speaking of the senses, right, uh, the, even the idea of that we experience the world through five senses is a, is a lie. You know, we're, we're told, you know, that we have sight, taste, touch, uh, stuff like that, but then we also have pressure, uh, itch, thermoinception, sound, oh, yeah. smell, uh, pro, pro, prioception, it gives you the ability to tell you where your body parts are without uh, looking. Right. Yeah, it, I mean, it, I mean if, guess if you're all magnetically connected, you could sense that. I mean, you, you see that with, again, like twins, how they're, they get connected and they're just linked. And some people are just intri- intrinsically linked um, to someone else, even over vast differences. You know what's going on with them, you, you know? So it's, it's very interesting, the idea that your consciousness is creating reality which in in essence it is because again uh, you know we talked about it previously a few shows ago you know only i can prove i exist only you can prove you exist so you're creating your reality i'm creating my reality well something that goes towards uh the electric universe theory one of the very often overlooked senses that that has been scientifically proven that humans can experience is called magnetoception Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, which, which is the ability to detect magnetic fields, which is principally useful in providing a sense of direction. 
Um, and I, I think, honestly, we probably lost that ability with going more inside, you know, cities and the chaos and, no, you know, getting away from Well, using from tools ability. to do it for us but, instead. Exactly. But, I mean, even, even some people experience it, you know, like they get headaches before an earthquake. Well, there's a lot of observational evidence that... Uh, magnetic fluctuations that um, are caused from like solar flares or things like that are what's causing these earthquakes that we experience all over, even the big ones. It's not underground movements or things like that. Sometimes it might be collapses, but it's more or less magnetic fluctuations that are causing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, even technically your balance, your equilibrium is oh, a yeah. sense. Or if like you put a magnet on a bird, then they're all screwed up or something. Mm-hmm. At least that was the rumor. I don't, yeah, I've never you, tried it. <laughs> you, did you know that even some people can uh, sense how much oxygen they have in their blood? Like yeah. it, it's these the the, the 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 fact that we we have we're told that we have a, a limited view of the world. We're told that it exists within this perfectly square box that we're supposed to accept the universe exists in, um, and we're and we're told that um, you know there's a myriad of things that we will never see and be able to detect. Um, but and, they exist but, but because they exist. we say so because of some because math that we put things. together that mo- no one else can, can well, figure out. Well, and we've well, already they proved- say they exist because they gave us a model that doesn't fucking work. And, they, and well, we're all like, well, that doesn't work. They're all like, well, that's because of strange matter. Yeah, but I mean, you even have, like, again, the scientific community is reeling based on all the fake articles and peer reviews that, you know, were released. I mean... Yeah, we've you, discussed that you know, on we've this di- Yeah, we've discussed it. So we already can show that mainstream science has an issue right now. Mainstream science is not correct on a lot of things. And now once you take that and you once you realize that, you have to then go, okay, well, what else aren't they correct about? And you have to start thinking, well, what type of real, objective, observational evidence do we have? Well, it's, the, it's just, we'll follow the root of the problem. If the, logic's not, if the rhetoric isn't working... And the, the logic and, so keeps that failing, that, then you need to go back to your grammar. Failing, you have to go back to your grammar. You have to. You always have to start with your grammar and move forward. Yeah, and then so that's where we're at. So, so what are we looking at so, now? You yeah, so we ready. were talking about magnetic fields, being able to feel them and stuff like that. So like, uh, we have another video. Why do stars and planets have magnetic fields? All right. So let's go ahead and rotate. Why do stars and planets have magnetic fields, and why do they rotate? And the standard model has offers explanations. But if you're familiar with the EU model, then then you have to realize those explanations just really don't make any sense. They're talking about, you know, imagined convection currents in a nuclear-powered sun and twisted magnetic field lines and, you know, all those kinds of explanations, which, which we know aren't valid. Well, I saw Don Scott's presentations on cosmic power lines, and he made clear in that is that the incoming Birkeland current determines the spacing of planetary orbits he he showed that with his vessel functions and what's that what that's saying is that there's a massive magnetic field pervading the whole solar system coming in from the Birkeland current and so i started wondering what's the relationship between that massive magnetic field and the sun's magnetic field do they interfere with one another or what so that's what got me started thinking and you know that's what where i came up with the hypothesis that i came up with For those two questions, we'll start by looking at the sun's magnetic field. Now, most people would just naturally say that the magnetic field is internally generated, some kind of you know rotational dynamo or whatever. Yeah. So, and again, you're going into how the sun is a nuclear fusion and has this internal dynamo, and this is the 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 science that I have been taught 
for decades. Yeah. Like, th- that is, this is what's true. This is why we spent all this money on nuclear fusion technology and billions and billions and billions of stolen taxpayer money to mm-hmm. fund this type of research for the, the idea of recreating a sun in a lab. But if the EU model's correct, they're doing it all wrong, and it's just a waste of money, and we're dropping radiation everywhere. Yeah. You know, Chernobyl, I mean, like, yeah. nuclear weapons, it, it's, it's, it's not the, the way forward, and it seems more like the plasma, plasma research is where all of that should have gone. But, I mean, again, they, don't, they didn't want unlimited uh, power for us anyway. Well, yeah, you could get into the whole Tesla conspiracy. Yeah, exactly, theory. exactly. So, it, whatever. <laughs> And that is what the standard model says. Uh, however, as I said before, their reasoning is, is all based on false assumptions. Same thing for the question of why does the sun's magnetic field reverse? I mean, if it is internally generated dynamo, then it would. why would it reverse? It doesn't seem to make any sense. And again, they have a model. What they say is it has to do with twisted magnetic current. So uh, I started wanting to think, well, what, what could the EU say about the sun's magnetic field? Is it an electromagnet? We've got these huge currents coming in at the north and south poles, and so maybe they're acting sort of playing the same role as a solenoid, creating an electromagnet. Now, for those two questions, we'll start by looking at the sun's magnetic field. Let's look now at a Birkeland current coming in at the north pole. We'll just take half of it for now. There's one at the south pole as well. Try to think of the Birkeland current as if it were a solenoid. Now, the problem with that is that the Birkeland current is made up of concentric cylinders, and each cylinder tries to induce an opposite field. So it's a, you know, even one Birkeland current on its own is rather complicated as if you think of it as a solenoid. However, in Don Scott's talk, he showed us this uh, first-order Bessel function, which gives us the uh, strength of the current in each of the cylinders. And it's clear from that diagram that the central cylinder dominates. It's considerably more powerful than any of the other cylinders. And so to some extent, the other cylinders, you might say, cancel one another out. And it's really the central cylinder to a first approximation that is going to act as a solenoid on the sun. So what we have then is... I do want to point out that that, that the, the upper angle view looks like what we saw earlier in the... Uh, other video where it was showing the north pole of uh, Jupiter and Saturn. Yep, yep, um, and that same kind of uh, yeah, and pattern of two uh, cylinders spinning. Yep, well, a mul- multiple cylinders, but and that's what they're that's what they're getting at is that all all planets and stars are pretty much operating the same, and it, you have to look at it like a circuit, like almost like a battery. You have anodes and cathodes, or. Uh, uh, an- an- anodes and ca- uh, ca- cathodes. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> so, and that's what you have to view is that you know, like the Earth is a cathode and the Sun's an anoid, and that's why all the little things around the the sunspots you can tell are anoid tufts, you know, from plasma generations, and they can recreate all that again in a lab. Yep. So, two central fields opposing one another to a first approximation, and each of them is trying to induce an opposite field. Because they're both if looking looking at the pole they come in at. They're rotating clockwise, both of them. So that's opposite torques and opposite magnetic fields. So what the result is going to be, if we assume that one of those is going to be slightly larger than the other, then we can kind of do a, a vector addition of the two fields. And what we end up with is a smaller field 
with the same orientation as the larger of the two incoming fields. So that smaller field is then acting on the sun. And then the sun being, you know, it's going to have a lot of uh, iron in it because stars are created in z-pinches and that's where the heaviest ions are concentrated. So that field coming in from the Birkeley current, the net field of the two currents is going to be amplified by the ferric. I, I, I want to point out one major freaking difference that you, uh, I don't know if the listeners would have caught, but he said that the sun uh, in the center would have iron. Um, at, at, at the current model, there's it's a nuclear, a nuclear there, core. It's yeah. a nuclear core. Um, but I mean, well, everything so that it, we know about uh, celestial bodies would suggest that there would be heavy metals in the center. Yeah. Why? And, why and wouldn't the sun? Because have well, metal? because in, in a gravity field and to produce that much energy, they have to come up with something different. Yeah. Other how, than how is the metal on fire? Yeah. So, <laughs> but I mean, if you think about it, if it was a nuclear core, that means the core of the sun should be the hottest hottest point of the sun but that's just not true so when you get closer to the sun the atmosphere of the sun can be millions of kelvins depending on how much how fat you know the energy and yeah how you volatile. actually see the opposite take effect you, you, you see, see the opposite the so center being the coldest when, yeah, and the and atmosphere then, being the hottest when you get to the the anoid tufts the actual surface of the sun you're looking at you know about six thousand kelvin roughly however in sunspots it can get down to like you know, 1,500 Kelvin, which is like 2,000 degrees. Now, so when you're looking at a um, sunspot, you're actually looking d- the deepest part uh, into the sun at that point because you're, it's way, way you're deep. You're actually looking into a hole. You're looking basically into a hole, yet it's the coolest part on the sun. Cool, way cooler than the atmosphere. That means it gets hotter the further away, uh, the further it goes, the electrons go from the sun, the hotter and more energetic they get. That is not... A nuclear reaction that is not nuclear fusion that is not how that should operate and it's completely bypassed in mainstream science yeah so just like just the way when you put an iron rod in a solenoid then suddenly you've got a strong magnetic field without the iron rod you don't so that that explains why there's a magnetic field from an eu point of view now the question of why does the field reverse every 11 years well that could, could simply be that the relative strength of the two incoming currents changes so if the one at the north is stronger then we get a net field that gets amplified by the sun it has one polarity but then if the one from the south becomes stronger then the net polarity is going to reverse so it's not really a mystery we only need to just ask the question is is there a shift in the relative strength of those two fields and if there is then that would explain the reversal of the magnetic field so I just want to point out that you know these are just normal cycles that things go through. The sun goes through these shifts every 11 years, so yep. it does a full cycle every 22. The Earth goes through it every few hundred thousand years. You know the interesting thing is is that we're currently entering both right now. The Earth is going through its flip. Its poles are shifting faster and faster, and probably within the next you know few decades, we're going to see a major increase and in decrease, a major increase of speed of it flipping and a major decrease in our magnetic shield, while this is the same time that the sun is going through its grand minimum, which should see like a 30 to 50 year, you know, somewhere around there of a dead space of low activity, low magnetic field. So we're, we're getting these fluctuations, you know, blessed in interesting times and whatnot. <laughs> so. so my conclusion from all of that is that the sun is an electromagnet because that explains the source of the magnetic field and explains the reversal of the magnetic field. 
And all of these arguments with respect to the sun really apply to other stars, to planets, and to the Earth. So the hypothesis I'm putting on the table here is that all stars and planets are electromagnets. So then we come to our second question. Why do stars and planets rotate? Well, that net incoming current, that net incoming magnetic field, also exerts a net torque. But of course, the angular momentum of planets and stars is so tremendous, so large magnitude, that we probably would hardly even notice the effect of the torque of the current. Uh, although someone made the point that there's a slight variation in the day that correlates with solar ejections, which would sort of be an indication that there, you can actually measure it on some small, tiny scale, the effect of the incoming torque. So what, what that is saying is that we spin and the sun spins and all planets spin because of these magnetic Birkeland uh, line, Birkeland currents. Um, it's the torque from those magnetic fields and the pull from that, not because of some internal dynamo or internal spin of of uh, you know magma or some type of metal. It's it's literally these currents exerting a force on us and it's causing us to spin in free space or in space. Yeah. So I mean it's it's again the EU model it lines up and explains everything very simply in normal physics that we can observe in a in an environment yeah. in a lab in a, in a quantum micro and macro view. Yeah. So and then you know some people are saying well what about gravity? Okay. So gravity is a, a a little different. Gravity does exist in a sense. Well, well, in a sense that it's an effect. It's an effect. So, again, I have another video. Um, this is uh, uh, Wall Thornhill, um, and he basically uh, is is all about the electric universe. Um, but he has some uh, good information about what actually gravity is and how it uh, works. So, let's do Andre Assis, uh, who's one of the, um, uh, what would you call him, heretical physicists, argues that dimensional constants like big G, the gravitational constant, should not appear in the laws of physics. So what basically he's saying is that uh, uh, their mainstream science and how they view gravity, and gravity is the constant. Gravity is what's pulled everything together. But because of how they determine um, gravity... It can't be because they, they use um, its length cubed divided by mass and then by time squared. But mass actually changes based on the voltage running through the matter. Yeah. So mass will actually change causing different gravity effects. And there, is and, time in, the, uh, in, in there as well? Yeah. Uh, time, it says time squared. And this is the how they determine uh, gravity for as a constant. Well, see, and biocentrism... Sorry. Yeah, biocentrism would say that they couldn't throw time into the equation without including consciousness. Yeah. These dimensions, they must depend on cosmological or microscopic properties of the universe. Dimensional constants mask our ignorance of the underlying physical concepts involved. Strong circumstantial evidence for a different gravitational constant for each body comes from the difficulty of establishing its value on Earth. Big G is the most inconstant of physical constants. Spacecraft perturbed by asteroids and comets, which look like solid rock, measure gravitational fields that suggest that they are insubstantial fluff balls. And we've just seen a perfect example. And comets exhibit non-gravitational accelerations. 
Also, by using big G, measured on Earth, the planet Saturn appears to have a lower density than water. Big G cannot be constant because M is an energetic variable, and that's one of the dimensions in big G. As I said, E equals MC squared, so depending on the energy of the environment and the response of the particular object, like a comet, uh, to that environment, M changes. So that dimensional constant suddenly becomes very inconstant. So now he, he mentioned E equals MC square, and in one of the videos, and we're not going to go over it, um, they actually dive more into E equals MC squared because that is a very, very, very simplistic, high-level view of really what it's explaining, and a lot of people don't understand it. I don't fully understand it, even though I've watched the video twice. <laughs> uh, but it, it's definitely... Uh, uh, an issue when when people are like oh e equals mc squared but again there's a lot of exceptions and rules and stuff that didn't really line up for yeah. it um, like like he said like mass mass isn't a constant it's a variable and you can't have a constant with a variable because then it's not a constant and so you, gravity can't be well, constant I mean, can... just because it's using mass as a constant but it's not it's well a we variable. see that with centrifugal force I mean we even call it g force you know what I no. mean like so we're saying that gravity is just the result or effect of something that's taking place. Exactly, and, and he's about to get into it. That gives you the, the wrong measurements of density and uh, gravitational uh, interaction and so on. If subatomic electrical polarization is the origin of gravity and magnetism, I propose that G is a variable for each celestial body related to the charge stratification within that body and its effect of electrical polarization upon atomic and subatomic particles. Remember that the particle accelerators, when you apply electromagnetic forces to those particles, the mass changes. Well, if planets uh, behave like electrets and have internal electrical strain, you can change the mass of a planet by changing the charge on it. And this is important for... Sorry, I just want to point out that as we get advanced in, in technology, imagine being able to add power or withdraw power of a planet and remove its den uh, its mass, being able to move it around and things like that and be able to change it based on just power you're giving it. Yeah. Putting together the story of Proto-Saturn. This means that the gravitationally calculated mass of a celestial body has no direct uh, <clears throat> relationship to the quantity of matter in that body. And I've said that over and again this weekend. The mass of a celestial body is a variable dependent both on the amount of matter in that body and its degree of electrical polarization, which is dependent also on its electrical environment. So... Oops, we've got the wrong structure for the sun. He's showing a... Uh, the stellar a and planetary structure and composition model. are derived based upon the erroneous conviction that Big G is a universal constant. It's pretty odd, you know, we, we get carried away with science sometimes and we make something universal with very little evidence. In this case, there was no evidence. So the structure of the sun is not the traditional one which we see there. Now we get to what causes gravity. This is the, uh, the fun bit. <clears throat> Radially oriented electrostatic dipoles are formed by most atoms inside the Earth with the inner pole positive and the outer pole negative. The reason for that is, as you can see in this uh, slide, 
the nucleus, which is two to 4,000 times heavier than those orbiting electrons, will naturally, in a gravitational field, because of its uh, much greater mass, tend to move towards the centre of the Earth. That means that the orbits of the electrons is stretched and you end up with a positive end of each atom and a negative end. It becomes a tiny electric dipole. And because all of these particles are free to move internally, they will all line up. That means that you have an electrostatic type of force at the subatomic level. It's not electrical. There's no charge involved because these are all neutral uh, atoms in the Earth or most other bodies. So the result is that it's the sum of all of the aligned subatomic dipoles that produces the weak force of gravity. And that's always been a puzzle. The force of gravity is a thousand billion, 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 billion times weaker than the electric force. And the reason is that you're dealing with the distortion of subatomic particles, the distortion of all the particles in that nucleus and the distortion of all those electrons that are whizzing around. It's minuscule. This is why we can leap into the air and the whole Earth cannot stop us from doing that. Once again, it's a case of a repeated pattern at the level of subatomic particles. Okay, so basically is what he's saying is that uh, because of the magnetic um, charge of the planet and the way everything lines up, that all the atoms around everywhere line up to where it's uh, positive or positive going down towards the core of the planet and negative going up towards space. And all of these atoms align that way because of the magnetic charge and that the sum total of all of this electrostatic uh, charge built up is what gravity is. Yeah. That is what's keeping us down is electrostatic. And that's why it's weak because it's yeah. subatomic particles. Exactly. I mean, and you would get the exact same effect like balloon to a hair and when you lift it up, it sticks with the balloon. But because you're just changing the particles at that spot toward to go towards the balloon, and that's why you would get the difference. So, but it's the same on a massive scale. So gravity is basically magnetism. Yeah, electrostatic. It's it's static. All right. Like we are being stuck there just based on static, <laughs> and it's weak. And it's weak. So that that covered what gravity is, and that and why. Uh, the gravity model does not work. The standard model does not work throughout the universe, starting at every step of the way. However, the EU model even explains gravity, yeah. and can you can then add it up and figure which it physics out. hasn't even done. They don't even know what the fuck it is. Yeah. So and then you know you come up there. There's other. There's even more evidence. So we have. Um, uh, Space News Anniversary is still from the Thunderbolts Project Group, um, and it's the Comets mission, and this was actually released uh, August 16th, 2017, so recently, and it's all about um, comets and what comets are. They're not made of uh, ice, they're not made of water, they're rock, and they were most likely from other planets that uh, had electrostatic discharges that ripped some of these rocks into space. Okay. And... A lot of these rocks, again, why you see the comet tail, not because the sun's heating them up, but because it's moving from a negatively charged area way out in space to a more positively charged area where the sun is, and it's the electrostatic discharge that's creating these plumes. And that's just because the electrostatic is firing off all these things. Okay. Well, so, let's, let's learn about that. Yeah. In recent years, there have been unprecedented opportunities to learn about the nature and origins of one of the most mysterious objects in space, the comet. 
The Electric Universe has always offered an interpretation of comets that radically differs from standard theory. Comets are not dirty snowballs. The primordial icy leftovers from the solar system's formation four and a half billion years ago. Comets, as well as asteroids and meteoroids, were born far more recently, torn by electrical discharges from the surfaces of planets and moons. Because comets are not icy bodies, they do not slowly sublimate due to solar heating. Comet activity, including the production of comet jets and a cometary coma, is electrical activity. The detection of signatures of water molecules in cometary coma is due to electrochemical reactions at the comet, as we'll explain further. So what they're saying is that that the electrostatic, the plasma, it's actually causing um, uh, water molecules to form because you have mostly hydrogen in the atmosphere or in space. So that's the same flying as the star water theory around e- exactly. That's the why sun. exactly. So you have a lot of hydrogen, and because of um, electricity and plasma starting to form because of these um, the electricity short circuiting and um, doing that, it's then pulling all these atoms together, creating water vapor at least, and that's why you're getting these these effects. Um, they actually um, have flown recently. Um, spacecraft, you know, satellites and stuff, and landed and launched um, um, sensors and stuff at comets and actually impacted it. And they they determined that, you know, or they theorized that they might not even be able to see anything. They shouldn't really see an explosion. Um, they shouldn't see really anything. No, they, no sort of impact. No sort of impact. They might not even really, you know, visually not see it and only have to rely on sensors. Well, when it actually occurred, there was a bright, bright light, a bright flash, and basically they were taken back from it, and they couldn't understand why. However, the EU theory um, suggests and shows that because it had a copper plate, as it was approaching the comet, who was already statically charged because it's moving from a negative to a positive area, that when it impacted, it was a static charge that made it flash, and that's why you had the explosion. Uh, a larger energetic yep. uh, and, impact. And again, so again, you know, we, we talk about, well, where did these, these rocks come from? Well, um, orbits of planets used to be different and we you know we you know uh thousands of years ago uh civilizations attributed planets to gods and they called them well there's a theory in the e it's one of the eu theories is that the planets all had irregular orbits at one time and brought them much 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 closer to earth so that they were actually visible in the night sky or in the day sky and that there was some type of um event and they actually go through and that a lot of images that civilizations from different parts of the world all at the same time drew designs that all replicated the same thing and they all attributed it to the same thing. You know, the gods were good and they looked like this. Well, slowly those things changed and then the gods grew angry, angry and Mars um, you know, threw lightning bolts and hurled rocks um, at other gods and at Earth and uh, all of this. And these are, again, all stories that other civilizations have told throughout you know time well they they have um replicated all of these designs that these um civilizations have created in a lab using plasma and to show that if mars uh was in front of venus and mars was moving was towards Jupiter, earth right in front of you know, i think it was in front of venus um but it was it was moving in front of a planet uh, moving towards earth and a large plasma bridge between the two planets and how it would affect actually replicated a lot of these um, designs that these people drew. And then as I got to Earth, 
it fired off an electrical charge, creating this thousands and thousands of miles long trench, miles deep, that launched Martian land, Martian rock, out into space. Well, if you're talking 5,000 years ago and you see a bunch of people who believe these planets are gods and then all of a sudden Mars starts throwing lightning bolts or a lightning bolt happens and then Martian rock starts littering the earth landing in cities destroying Babylon you know like all of these different things now you have this idea of gods are angry and more and more religions start and more religions start going down well they have evidence that things like this have occurred because they've found Martian rock dozens of them all over the earth yeah it's fact so you something like this happened, and you see a gigantic scar on Mars where these rocks came from, but it was no way it was created by a meteor impact, which some scientists yeah, think. Yeah, because it's, it's like the, it's the length of Arizona. Uh, no, it goes from like San Francisco beyond New York is the length, and it's miles deep, 10 times greater than, or 100 times greater than the Grand Canyon. And it's a line. It's not, it's, it's, and not it's a scratch. Yep. And they've, they have other evidence showing that, you know, towards the south, towards a positive um, area, you have the land going up, and then towards a negative area, um, it's going down. Well, in the lab, they can recreate the exact same design, um, including a couple other things based on just plasma and electricity firing at a specific voltage. So if you have Mars and Earth getting close, bam, there's a spark. Now that's completely changed the course of human history, and it kind of plays in that this is electrical fields and biocentrism, because once that happened, our our reality has changed, and it's about to change again. Yeah. And we're again, we're about to go through another magnetic fluctuation. Which I find very interesting at the same time that we're now discovering this EU model and a bunch yep. of other stuff that's going to completely change. Yep. So uh, what we have next, bio-centri- uh, bioelectricity and morphology. So th- yeah, this is uh, the, the connection between electricity and the creation of life. Or, or, or yeah, and the creation of life and being able to modify DNA or, and other aspects. So mm. it's not very long. Here is some footage of a tadpole embryo from Tufts University's lab. And we'll have the links in our, our article. Yep. Electrical gradients have been made visible, and we can see that they precede the development features of the tadpole's face and body. So what, what it's showing is that a little light is flashing. So as the uh, tadpole starts to become developed and stuff like that, um, higher and higher concentrations of electrostatic or um, electricity is happening. Yep. Right. The relevance of electric frontiers in biology is no small matter. Planaria regenerate their tail end into a second head. Tadpoles bioelectrically modified to grow additional eyes, genetically altered so that a particular frequency of blue light would stimulate ion regulators in their cell walls. This allowed electric gradients in their body to be precisely changed. To match the electrical characteristics, that cue the body to grow all the tissues required for an eye. This is the leading edge of knowledge in the science of how life forms on Earth use electricity to shape or instruct the tissues of their body. So what they're saying is that electricity can uh, change the DNA structure or at least activate certain DNA chromosomes to... uh, Exactly. Well, they're even determining now that like cancer cells and things like that actually have a very uh specific 
um, electromagnetic um, view where it has positive and negative regions and that it's different from the surrounding areas. So they can start using those type of therapies where you just change its polarization back to normal and you might have a new form of cancer treatment that doesn't deal with radiation, doesn't make you sick, doesn't kill you, and it's just a quick... <laughs> so so those yeah. quack-ass docs were right. We're going to go with shock therapy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I thought when I first saw this, I was like, it's shock therapy, but definitely on a much lower scale, and you're not messing with the brain. Yeah, you're like... Or at least from the majority of... <laughs> you're like, I'm going to shock that cell. Yeah, and I guess <laughs> it's not really shock because you're not doing a flash. You're not creating an arc. What you're doing is you're changing the polarization of those cells. Interesting. So, so, and I think that's what what causes these tumors right. and stuff like that. Um, so that was just the short bit. Oh, that, of, okay. Yeah, it was just real quick showing the connection that electricity does influence biology, and okay. it does have a connection. And if our brains are electricity and our consciousness is electricity, then and it, that's and that's what biocentrism is saying. It's saying that uh, you know that the um, that ma- that uh, matter comes from you know thought from consciousness. Yeah, and and right? again, it's and possible. And if your thought is um, electricity and is this energy, then your thought could theoretically create matter. Now, the ability to get from that step to actually creating it is a whole another story because yeah, uh, we don't know how. Uh, but it, we might not even I don't have know, ask the, a Buddhist. Yeah, we might not have the <laughs> ability yet developed in our brain, and it's just like something you know like intuition or something like that. You kind of have to work at intuition to understand it, to recognize it. And it's probably just that same process. Um, but we have one more video for our show, and I know we've gone oh, way over our normal hour. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, we're hour and 20. Uh, nice. <laughs> so but we have we have one more, one more video, and again, another one from the Thunderbolts Project, and it's the mystery of consciousness. And this is where they dive more into the idea of consciousness and how it might work with inside the EU. All right. Perhaps the greatest mystery of human experience is consciousness itself. Today, the fields of neuroscience and neurotechnology provide astounding insights into the electrical and chemical processes of the brain. Consequently, institutional science proposes with confidence that the brain alone creates conscious experience. Yet despite all that science has learned, the very source and essence of consciousness remains mysterious. As discussed in previous videos, a growing body of scientific research suggests that consciousness simply cannot be reduced to the components of the brain. Thunderbolt's colleague, Dr. Michael Claridge, shares with us his thoughts on the enduring mysteries of consciousness, well, beginning with the question. So that's interesting. So instead of the, the, the whole is not the sum of its parts, you're getting the opposite. The, the parts are not the sum of the whole. Yeah. You know, where, <laughs> like, it, where, where like it's, you can take away so much of the brain and still have a conscious, intelligent human being. Yeah, well, I mean, then it, it comes down to what level are we talking about consciousness? What abilities do you have to sense, to do, to move? Uh, I mean, again, so people might be missing half their brain, but I guarantee you when you talk to them and do stuff, there's something off. There's just some things they can't do. Well, I mean, do. but there's some well, that yeah. aren't. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, I, I actually uh, have met a man... His like whole freaking forehead was pretty much caved in yeah. and off to the side, right? And he said three fourths of his cerebral cortex uh, was gone. And like, if it wasn't for the 
gaping freaking you wouldn't hole have in known. his head. Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have known. The yeah, guy I played mean, chess. He freaking. You know what I mean? He was like a, a, just. An, another, I mean, he was a criminal, but you know, he was a, <laughs> that, that wasn't because of the. <laughs> that, I don't think that was because of the head yeah, yeah, injury. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But anyway, continue going forward. Has the theory that consciousness is confined to and generated by the brain been settled scientifically? Science tells us that the cerebral cortex turns matter into consciousness. Uh, there are, however, these strange examples in medical history, shocking, really exceptional cases, uh, that really call into question everything that we so the this what they're showing and they don't he doesn't really mention it it's a woman with half her brain missing but who managed to live an almost normal life Chinese woman complaining about nausea and dizziness after a CT and MRI scan um, they realized that the 24 year old was missing uh, her cerebral um, cortex cerebellum cerebellum yeah uh, the region of the brain is responsible for posture balance motor learning including learning to jump and kick a uh, kick a ball in speech. Uh, located at the base of the skull, contains half the brain's neuron cells that transmit chemical and electrical signals. She is one of nine people in the world thought to suffer from from this. But I mean, so so wait 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 wait. It's just not there. Like she was born without it. Uh, yeah. Or it does just, it like? Rot? A, yeah, I am assuming that it, she was born without it. Wow. And that the brain. And again, the probably the consciousness just rewrote the brain to work. So, without without needing that much area. So that like raises the question, right? We say that the certain areas of the brain, you know, control certain aspects of, you know, life. That's right? a theory. We say we say that like this part pumps hearts, you know, this part da da da. And for the most part I think we got it pretty much down, you know yep, what I mean? But I But so what we're really what I'm seeing here is we have more of like this it's almost like a computer with a bunch of RAM that you're not using and a bunch of motherboards and processors you're not using. And if the one you are using breaks in any way, it immediately starts using the other ones to uh, make up for the loss. Yeah, I mean, possible. I, I think it's more the idea of if you were born like that, then your brain as a child has time to rewrite itself to reuse or to work still with all of the senses coming in. It's just doing it differently. Yeah. You know, it's maybe using less space, so it's not as fast. Maybe she did have all of those problems most of her life and it just got worse as the brain stopped developing and was like all right you don't have enough space to restore all these memories and everything else well i mean one of her symptoms was nausea right yeah and dizziness yeah. so i mean and that's usually affected they say that uh the part of the this was supposedly the part of the brain that deals with posture balance yeah, yeah, and motor yeah, yeah. skills and nausea uh having vor uh what is it called um when you are you're, you're you get all woozy. Vertigo? Vertigo, right? And, and is nausea is a sign of vertigo. So, like, maybe her body was all like, no, we're totally out of balance right now. But her brain was like, no, 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 we figured it out. It's cool. Just keep walking. Right? Yeah, and, like, <laughs> right? and I don't know. Who knows? I just know that, you know, when, as a child, your brain is still developing. Your brain is still forming new pathways. Right up till about and, 25. And yeah, she was it, 24. Exactly. And But even every seven, like, seven years, it goes through a change. And it's just the more you do stuff, the deeper those lines get, the more it embeds it. And hey, maybe it's just the brain's more like again like a big hard drive and filter for your consciousness, hmm. and it's just every time it's like oh, I'm gonna store this here, I'm gonna store this here, and as a young, you know, child, 
it, uh, the consciousness was like, well, we can go ahead and make this work with this so amount of space, like, and we just can't. Maybe she had a horrible memory. So it's like <laughs> consciousness resides in the brain, but it's not in it. Yeah, it, it, it's weird. So, so weird. All right, continue on. Uh, they really call into question everything that we think we know about the brain. Is your brain really necessary? In very rough terms, <laughs> the human brain is composed of three layers. The most internal parts are sometimes referred to as the reptilian brain, since reptiles have mostly only this inner part developed, and it controls the basics of eating, breathing, sleeping, moving, etc. See, I think we got that Second right. Layer. Yeah, yeah, I, you know what I mean. Well, because they they can right. they can look at lizards, they can look at uh, mammals, and they can look at what parts of those brains have been developed. And if we look back at again the EU model and biocentrism and stuff like that, that consciousness developed because of electromagnetic fields changing the chemistry inside, um, you know, animals, and then they slowly developed more and more well, tools. It's just like uh, the the uh, images that they show in the electro uh, in the uh, electric universe model, right? Where they they show you how a very simple current. And a, and a pension, it can create these highly complex models where you have self-perpetuating systems, you have energy getting recycled, you have matter being shot out. Well, it, it's discharges. not necessarily energy being recycled because they say a lot of these lines are all outside of the known universe. So we cannot see beyond... Well, I mean, on the micro scale. Well, so, like, you know, you have the sun outputting energy and the earth absorbing that energy and in, in turn outputting energy, which back is... Back to the sun. Which is back yes. to the sun. So, I mean, like, on the on, on a, a micro... No, true. It's, a, it's a, a very good self... Perpetuating engine, but we don't know if it's we don't lossless. know where it's getting. It's like an electric car, but we don't know where the gas is coming. Yeah, from. Yeah, like because again, this power. All of these lines lead outside of the visible universe, so we don't know if the power is coming in or if we're just feeding the power out. But yeah, it's but, but it's my very point weird. is, is yeah. that you're seeing this where it's it gets more complex. You start off with a singularity, a, a neutral freaking proton, but then it, it, it receives a charge and it becomes a particle. It starts moving. But because it's moving alongside this yep. other thing, it creates this electromagnetic field, which twists, yep. right? And but then if you look at life in that same way, right, you start off with something simple, like instinct. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, uh, rep- uh, you know, uh, reptilian. You know, reptilian. Survive, brain. react, repeat. But repeat, as it repeat. continues moving... It gets more complex, and you end up with, and yep. I think it's about well, to say it in the. And they, they even said in the universe that there's no there's no island in the universe. There there's no empty actual empty space. That even inside empty space, you have neutrinos blanketed everywhere. That's like your background radiation when they see it and stuff like that. But within the electric. Um, uh, the electric universe model they they neutrinos with enough power and voltage then combine and can make um, protons and yeah. there are already neutrons and then they there's already electrons being dumped through these power lines that are coming from somewhere and they then get mixed in and they create helium or hydrogen more and water and and, exactly and it, it, it's just it's very fascinating and it's how all it's all connected from just uh, just Somewhere. polarity i mean that's all and, 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 we're talking well, about and, and energy and electrons free flowing electrons yeah that are moving way faster way faster than the speed of light um and i forget where i read it, it was somewhere in one of the videos that you could go from pretty much one side of the universe to the other uh within a second 
like like that quick because of how fast that these things can move. All right. Well, um, let's yep. uh, continue moving. Seeing the more complicated. It is usually called the mammalian brain. It gets its name because most mammals have this second layer layer also. Your developed. your basic feelings and, it and seems emotions. To be this layer is involved with herd instincts, uh, instinctive parental love. Uh, emotions such as those. We've had that as a society for thousands of years. And then there's this outer layer of the brain. And in the human, it's this giant cerebral cortex, these double lobes that we are told makes us unique in the animal kingdoms by allowing us to have such things as a sense of individuality, logical thinking, the ability to have abstract concepts, etc., But then you come across these odd cases, and I found several of these in London medical journals from the 19th century, and these people were described as completely ordinary, responsible, hardworking, productive English citizens. But when they were examined after death, it was found that their cerebral cortex was as thin as a sheet of paper, and the rest of the brain cavity was just filled with fluid. So we're forced to admit that to get on in life, at least as a British man in the 19th century, you don't need much of a cerebral cortex. So if this massive outer part of our brain is not necessary for the demands of ordinary life, then what is it there for? It's a blank it's slate. It's difficult to connect. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like getting all <laughs> philosophical on him, so I'm like, I'm like, it's a blank slate. Uh, it it it's 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 uh, the the physical body getting prepared for the next step in evolution. It doesn't know what's coming, you know. It, it's, you know how it's like, allow, it's like okay, we need to start building something because people are becoming more logical and sensing other things. And things are happening. We're adapting. It's, yeah, it's whatever you need to. Oh, you need to feel more. Uh, you know, intuition, the magnetic fields, things like that. Then, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then, well, that would go to say that technically. In the future, we could use this for whatever we want because we have to exercise it in a certain way. An electroshock, whatever. <laughs> or, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. an electroshock yeah. therapy. We'll get there. Yeah. Don't yeah. worry, we'll make, we'll make you a god after a while, boy. <laughs> to convey how inadequate contemporary neurology is to explain this question, uh, it's hard to overstate how inadequate the neo-Darwinian notions of random variation and natural selection are to explain this. Our brains are completely over-engineered for the demands of daily life. It's like someone says, here, look at this device I built for doing simple calculations of addition and subtraction. And you look at it and you see the entire computer network used by NASA. And you would say, I think this is a little over-engineered for oh, addition yeah. and subtraction. So what does this all mean? I mean, does it mean that in the past our brains were required to do much more difficult tasks? Does it mean that each of us is walking around on this planet with this vast unused potential uh, sitting inside of us? The materialist worldview states that the only reality in this world is what we can see and touch and weigh in a scale, uh, and that all cause and all effect is material. Now, this is a very successful model of the universe in the sense that it has powered the industrial and technological revolutions that have completely changed life on the Earth over the last 300 years. But what many people do not talk about 
in all this is that the definition of what is material has changed quite a bit over those 300 years. So picture yourself in 1850. Michael Faraday, he's struggling to understand these strange, invisible forces of electricity and magnetism. And the effects being observed in the laboratory cannot be explained by any known forms of matter. And so Faraday creates this idea, this model of a field, and in this case, electric fields and magnetic fields. And you cannot see or touch this field. You cannot hear it. You cannot weigh it in a scale. And in 1850, that was pretty much the definition of a non-material cause. And if you read the papers of Faraday and others that he was working with at that time, they had a lot of reservations about the whole notion of introducing what was then a non-material cause. So now we fast forward to the present day and that we see even the purest materialist accepts this invisible, non-material electric field as a necessary part of the materialist description. Now, I just want to stop it right there, uh, and I, I just find it interesting that you know only a few hundred years ago, you know Faraday was trying to convince the scientific community that these things that no one could see existed, and that they were magnetic fields. And then you have you fast forward to only within the past 10, 20 years, or even the past 10 years, yeah, NASA saying that you know magnetic fields don't exist and they're not. You know, it just shows that. Science is never settled. You should always be looking for if something doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit and it doesn't explain it, don't try to create new and fantastic ideas and words that kind of skirt the logic yeah, and the actual truth. Yeah, because you start to sound like, you know, you're oh, a God did it. You're, you're, it's a, <laughs> you're a sophist and you're a piece of shit. <laughs> it's like sophists suck. They, they are a blight upon society because That's they're always changing definitions true. to try to seem correct instead of actually looking for the truth or speaking the truth. Yeah, they they much rather be correct than right. Yeah. Which is a pain in the ass. <laughs> what has happened is that the scientific community yeah. has changed the definition of materiality. And I am okay with this. And I firmly believe that 50 years from now, we will know about forms of materiality that we cannot now imagine. So, just to point out, definitions, like, if you say, you know, what life is, but then you expand it, or, you know, what is energy, you know, if if evidence shows up that what this term is isn't really true because it's based on, like, gravity, then maybe you change, you can change the definition as long as it supports the facts. Yes. And, you know, it... And that's what definitions people, should be objective as possible. Yeah, I mean, um, and granted, especially yeah, speaking in scientific terms. Exactly. And if you're using a term incorrectly, you know, or you're changing the definition, you know, you're adding a few things, but not just because of you know actual factual evidence. New evidence has come out. You're just being a sophist. You're trying to win an argument using rhetoric um, only with falsified grammar, and, and that's the problem. And there, it's been an issue since days of Plato and everything. And they hated sophists. Yeah, they did. And, and, and well deserved. But it, it just shows that definitions can change, but it needs to be very limited on when and why. Yep. I think that many of the arguments about the brain and matter and consciousness are either just boring words, uh, boring arguments about words, 
or arguments because some people do not know enough about the history of scientific ideas. Uh, so, so today, some people are arguing that we must explain everything about consciousness in terms of what we currently know about biochemistry. And well, that would be like telling people in Faraday's time that they must explain everything in their lab in terms of the physics of billiard balls. And very few people today are brave enough to admit that almost all the properties of consciousness are not at all explained by what we currently know about biochemistry. I myself do not argue about the dichotomy of material versus non-material when discussing psychological functions like thought, and feeling, and sensation. What we know now about biochemistry is insufficient to explain even the most basic aspects of thought and feeling and perception. We are in need of some new ideas about matter and materiality. I, I just want to point out that we're wasting hundreds of billions of dollars a year on wars to make certain people rich and all the oil and everything. Yet, and this is just yeah, oil and under the Yeah, and I'm like, and then you see how bad mainstream science is and everything like that. And I'm like, it's just, it's it's baffling how society accepts it as a whole. Uh, or the current uh, diagram or or way our system works, and it's it's sad that like as like if money was flowing to this, if I hadn't, if money wasn't being stolen from us, this is the type of stuff I would throw money at, right? Well, I want to point out too because they're talking about the nature of consciousness and uh, the material versus the ethereal like thought, right? And the first principle of biocentrism is that. What we perceive as reality is a process that actually involves our consciousness. The second principle of biocentrism is our external and internal perceptions are intricately intertwined. They are different sides of the same coin and cannot be separated. Yeah. So, I mean, like, and it's interesting that he's talking about thought and about the material versus the ether. Mm-hmm. And, it, and again, it, they can't be separated in the sense that, like, the, the, well, they even said like the ether is made up of um, neutrinos. Well, no, I'm talking well, about in, yeah. in, the, in the ether in the sense that oh, okay, because yeah, yeah, the yeah. ether is an unknown substance, Cry. right? Okay, yeah. Uh, and so, like you know, in the ether of thought, in this idea that we can't measure it, we can't see it, but we know it takes place. We all experience. We can, well, we can see of the effects of it. All right, me, yeah, and me right. Thinking, yeah. You know, all right, but, sometimes you know, and uh, but at the same time, we know it happens in a physical sense. We can see the physical. Reactions from reactions it. Take we place. can we can scan the brain's uh, electromagnetic fluctuations as we think, or our brain is activated through certain measures. It's so right. freaking weird. Yeah. <laughs> In order to move this question forward, our current understanding of matter is insufficient. A primary element of human identity is memory. Neuroscience tells us that memories are physically stored in brain cells. Does this simplistic theory really explain the complex mysteries of memory? Yeah, so this question of whether memories are stored in specific brain cells, this idea has been bounced around for decades, and uh, sometimes it's, it's phrased as, uh, what is the material analog to a memory being formed? Or what is the material trace to a memory being formed? Or in this case, this recent article claiming that it's specific cells that somehow store the memory. I am fine with the idea that there are changes to the brain 
that correspond to our memories. That's how the brain works. Uh, there are changes to the brain that correspond to learning a new skill. There are changes to the brain that occur when you new, learn a new language or learn how to uh, play music. So when you learn how to play the violin, so, there are very... So what, from what I, th- I, I think I'm understanding here is what, what, what memories and what you know, new skills and stuff are aren't necessarily like being stored in a cell, but in, it's more of a way we process information. Whoa. So the, like when you learn a second language, right, your, your pathways change and your brain actually changes. And, and yep, and that's and so what it's doing is it now has a new way in how to process information, a new a new path, and I mean that's what we've we've tossed around the idea that is you know memories is just a specific pathway that electricity fires off and moves down a, cer- a certain specific area of the brain, Shit. and just like everything else, it's an action. It's a, yeah, it's a <laughs> process from one to another, and depending on which way it goes, that's the memory you get. Now, I I don't know if that's all true. But, yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense with the rest of this, with the EU theory, that it's all about the electricity moving through something or over something. And that the physical world couldn't exist without the conscious mind to sense it. Exactly. So. Clearly observable physical changes in the brain. There's also, though, very clearly observable changes to the hand when you learn to play the violin. Uh, the muscles, the nerves, even the blood vessels of the hand all change when you learn how to play the violin. And if you were to surgically remove those changes from the hand, then the person could no longer play the violin. So does that mean that the memory of how to play the violin resides in the hand? I think this is worth talking about. So we, when we saw this one earlier, we, we found it was kind of interesting, oh, um, yeah. the idea that you know, we, we always believe we have muscle memory. And a, I think muscle memory is a way for the body and the mind to process things quicker to where it doesn't have to think about it. It's like, hey, this is a repeatable action that we've done a whole bunch of times. Now you take over so I don't have to waste my time or thought on breathing every day or taking that extra step. Well, or- what blew my mind is when the thought experiment of the fact that, okay, so you have your muscle memory in playing the violin, right? And if you take away the changes, if you take away the tension in the tendons, you take away the new muscles, you, you know, in the thicker muscles and the strength scenario, and you take away the calluses... And you take you wouldn't, blood you wouldn't be able expansion. to play, but you would still know how to play. You just wouldn't be any good. Yeah, and <laughs> I, but then at the same, the, you know, then that's like, so where's the memory? You know what I mean? Well, the, the, the memory's still in there, and, so you move the fingers in the right spots, but it's just it doesn't feel. You're not using the correct pressure. You're not using because the the muscle memory is no longer there. The and again, you would have to rebuild that piece, but it would probably be a lot faster just because you already know all the hand movements where the fingers need to go. You just not gotta have make to, your hand do it again. Do, yeah, like, yeah. It, you got to make your hand remember. <laughs> you know what exactly. I'm saying? Like, your hand has to remember or re we re uh, form to go back to it, and it's more about again so back to doing those actions, exactly. which goes back to it's all freaking just an action. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> I think this is worth pondering. The most yes. controversial yes, aspect of you. consciousness research seeks to test the validity of psychic phenomena. We asked Dr. Claridge for his thoughts on the scientific strength of so-called psi research. I often have problem with this uh, 
this whole set of questions because really there is an excess of evidence. There's a surfeit of evidence. There are dozens of clear examples of experiments done by Dean Radin, Rupert Sheldrake, Dr. Gary Schwartz, showing the non-locality of consciousness. And these are double-blind studies with sound statistical analysis. And in some cases, the few that I looked at, some of their experiments, the results are more statistically certain than the clinical trials have to be in order to get a new drug release. So what some of the articles that they're showing is that evidence of a correlated functional magnetic resonance imaging signals between distant human brains, meaning people are linked magnetically, magnetically. Uh, to others, like twins or you know a best friend or a mother to a child or you know something where or just two people on the same two people on the same wavelength and they've just they understand what the other person's going through their feelings their their everything meaning that that signal can be transported over a vast difference and instantaneously. And I'm not made of a magnet, so then you would have to assume that it's an electromagnetic field. Exactly. And so, again, it goes back to what's faster than the speed of light, and well, it's electromagnetic you connection. Know, Holy connection. shit. Anyway, and, sorry. And, I mean, and that's why I think that that's going to be the future, even space travel, is that we're going to hitch a ride on these lines to bounce around the universe, and... We're going to be able to do it Fuck quicker. Fuck ion propulsion, exactly, and or yeah, or radioactive stuff, or just yeah, turn just, into electricity and it, jump on the wire. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I mean, but even even uh, the idea of light, how light actually is not constant and it can be slowed down, and that um, when galaxies are forming based on the EU model, that they're going to have a a redshift glow to it. So when scientists view um, uh, distant galaxies and they look at the redshift, they're like, oh, well, it must be because it's a redshift that it's billions of years old and it's way, 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 way far away. Well, that might not be true because of if light slows down after so many millions or billions of years, then it could be half that distance and it's just a newer galaxy. Yeah. It, it, so, there's again, there's a lot that, that <laughs> science is not able to explain where the EU is kind of like... Or is not willing go. to. Or, yeah, or is not willing to because, again, if we focus on this, we're talking unlimited power. Unlimited power, that's what you're talking about because it's coming from everywhere and it's on a massive scale just waiting to be pulled and that's what Tesla was working on. But the government doesn't want that. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> So I don't know why such criteria would be okay to show that a drug works, but not okay to show that consciousness has some aspects of non-locality. And then also, there's my personal experience in this whole arena, which I know that a lot of other people have. I often know who's calling me before I pick up the phone. I now and then get a, a very clear feeling yeah, called of caller ID. That but... intense that has happened to someone <laughs> that I love, even though we're separated uh, by a lot of space in between us. Uh, and I don't think I need some set of self-proclaimed materialists to tell me that I'm delusional or that the other people I know are delusional when, then, when this sort of experience is actually something that forms part of the fabric of my daily life. Now, again, he, he, that last well, bit is anecdotal. anecdotal. Yeah. Yeah. However, I have experienced anecdotal. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, again, anecdotal evidence is not bad when you have factual, objective, observational evidence to back it up. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it like me place- saying, 
you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, a fact what goes up must come down. And then me saying, well, I know this because I jump up and down. I mean, well, like I know this because of other reasons, but I can but, also here's jump my personal up and down. Yeah, yeah. It's like, here's all this facts. Here's all the uh, objective truths that we have. And then we've also experienced it in a personal sense. I, again, it, it comes back to observational. I've observed this stuff. Therefore, yeah. you know, with the based evidence. So, I mean, but that is uh, all the videos we have for this show. Awesome. Um, so, yeah. I mean, so I mean, to recap, basically, what we're talking about here is what we're saying is that uh, modern science, at least, if these turn out to be true, and right now, I, I can guarantee you, neither of us would be dedicating as much energy towards this kind of research if we didn't think that it seemed was, correct it, or it, logical or right or I mean. It just fits. But judge it for yourself. Biocentrism is by Do Dr. Robert Lanza. It's taking uh, uh, mainstream science by the storm. Uh, Thunderbolts Project, the Electric Universe, has gotten many groups. They even have uh, conferences that discuss every, every year, which we're going to plan to try to go to next year. Uh, I think it'll be in August. And but just get year. really yeah. high and listen to these yeah. guys. But you know, and like. But, you know, and so, like, and I think that one of the things I want to bring up at one of these things is be like, hey, guys, I don't, I think you're missing biocentrism. I think that you need to take an element from that to add to it because this huge electric current that you guys are talking about is coming from somewhere. It's, it, 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 I mean, it's it going could, somewhere. It could and, be, I mean, like, God, the intelligence, the, the source of everything. Thought. It could be pure thought, which is causing all of the plasma, and it's just being transferred and moved around. And again, this is all ew, it would theory, be literally life <laughs> creating matter. Life. Yeah, and then again, when did it all start? Where did it all become from? Those are all philosophical debates, yeah. and based on faith and stuff like that, because there's no evidence to prove those type of questions yet. I would say, okay, uh, uh, yeah. If, uh, over the last two uh, two weeks ago, if you would have asked me, I would have said all evidence points to the fact that there is no God. And uh, uh, and that you know well, when we die, I, nothing happens, right? But with the advent of like biocentrism in the electric universe, I would say that there is now sufficient evidence to state that there is some sort of pure consciousness, and that uh, and that when we die, we most likely just join back in with that. Yeah, and but and you you said that there wasn't actual evidence, and technically that that was true, but there was a lot of anecdotal evidence that we've seen that we believe that there was this source, this God that we were gods, yeah. and we've even talked well, about it before with our our with what we believe in anarcho anarchodeism. Yeah. But that was uh, but that this was this a, actually this is actually actual provides. Science factual evidence to back up what we believe now and it just it, it actually supports our our view on what god and religion should be moving forward with this idea of expanding human consciousness yeah that, yeah it, it, so, I think it's absolutely freaking awesome. Yeah, and it's it, again, it may be blessed to live in interesting times. You're about to see the entire scientific mainstream media get turned up on its head over the next few decades as CO2 man-made bullshit talk drops off 
as not being true and we the poles flip and a whole bunch of magnetic crazy fluctuations start to happen yeah it, I, I mean the storms storms you, are only going to get stronger I mean we are even seeing evidence now and they're trying to say it's because of climate change and like but it's all because if you look at the electric universe theory even explains why these hurricanes are getting stronger why they're getting yep. more massive even why they form well I mean like, even according to the theory of electric universe if you know they these planets were closer not even even if they were even half as close as they say they were right you're still talking about these huge uh, things in the sky and then they start doing you additional know, a light show yep. you know what I mean in the sky right and and if that was the catalyst that made us look up and start asking questions uh, both in in the wrong way in religion and both in the sci- in the right way in science and, and that's what kick-started our industrial revolution if you will uh, uh, thousands of years uh, later. thousands of years later. <laughs> Right. Uh, then this uh, switching of the poles, the uh, the 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 new minimum that we're coming. I, I up think it's going to be another it, expanse of human evolution, and we're about to hit this because we're going to have to rethink it. I mean, look, we've just had decade, like over a decade now, almost two decades worth of wars and fighting, and sooner or later we have to step beyond that. We and we can't. We have to be free. We can't be controlled because that it's never going to work for everyone. No one wants to be controlled because God doesn't want you to be controlled. Well, not just that. God I mean, wants even you to if be you free. Look, if you look at this, if this turns out to be true, let's just say for the sake of argument that the EU and biocentrism turn out to be both eighty percent true, and when you put them together, that's, you have a hundred percent truth. Yeah, that's right? better. Better than gravity. <laughs> right, right. Right. Let's say. Let, let's say that's true. Then that means that literally. Science and government has been controlling us to a lower level for years. And has actually kept us from advancing much further. And it, again, it comes Control down to... Control sucks. But I mean, yeah, we look at even power. You had the Baghdad batteries and other stuff like that. So power and the idea of electricity was around a lot longer. And it was these government bodies... You know, stopping the information, this control of information because it made people powerful. But this information should be for everyone. Yeah. It, it, it should be for everyone and then let everyone expand their own consciousness from that. Absolutely, freaking Luli, man. Well, I mean, this is a... This is a good one. Good show. Yeah, I mean, and, and we're, a lot we're, of ground. we're sorry that it took so long to get out another show. It's been painful. We've been doing research on going into Christianity, and uh, we ended up deciding to do this show instead because I think this will springboard us into the next show yep. whenever we finally get around to it, you know, with everything going on. Which still. will take a while because there's lots of things going on. If you've been paying attention, JREV Media has had several projects that are coming out. We've been going yeah, If you to check out our YouTube, we have a lot of videos. New. Or Patreon now. Yeah, we have Patreon, which we will be releasing exclusive content on. If you go to Dink's Wonder Emporium, it's called Dink's Wonder on YouTube. You can see my new show there uh, called Canication, which yep. is cannabis through uh, cannabis that's, education. That started today. It's live yep. at noon. It's live at noon on Mondays and Wednesdays. You can always check me out there. You know, uh, help me talk to the potheads that aren't anarchists. Anyway, yeah, you know, <laughs> start converting them where we can. Get them where we can, baby. Get them where we can. But uh, yeah, and then always check in uh, at the oh, website. Yeah, and, and again, the website's still the old one. Um, we're about maybe forty-five percent done with the new one. Got a lot of information. Made really good headway over the weekend. Uh, there's still a bunch to do. Um, if you're interested in writing articles or you know talking with us on the show, always, yeah, just get let, in touch yeah, with, get us, touch with us. Uh, if you're in the Washington area and you want to come hang out, uh, 
you know, smoke or, you know, go visit some of these places that you've never been to. Um, enjoy the life of uh, where cannabis is, yeah, semi freedom where cannabis is legal. Uh, yeah, I mean, let us know. All right, guys. Well, uh, we, we do in the old outro where we just say, you know, this, this is the journalistic revolution. Uh, turn on, tune in, rebel. rebel. Yeah, yeah. Right. If you want to, if you want to, don't you know? I mean, don't let me think you. For, I'm forcing you. Yeah. All right, we're gonna let you out right, with a, you. Uh, a, a trap remix of Rick and Morty. Goodbye, Moon Men. The world can be one together, cosmos without hatred, stars like diamonds in your eyes. Why? Cosmos without hatred Stars like diamonds in my eyes The ground can be space Space, space The ground can be space Space My life is a joke The world can be one together Cosmos without hatred the world can be one together, cosmos without hatred. The world can be one together, cosmos without hatred. Cosmos without hatred Stars like diamonds in your eyes Why? The world can be one together Cosmos without hatred Stars like diamonds in your eyes The ground can be space The world can be one together, cosmos without hatred. Stars like diamonds in your eyes. The world can be one together, cosmos without hatred. Stars like Cosmos without hatred Stars like The world can be one together Cosmos without hatred Stars like diamonds in your eyes Why?